Good morning. I'm going to sit down. I hope you don't mind. I'll probably wind up back on my feet, but let's go to the Lord in prayer a minute. Father God, Lord, we just come before you. Lord, we adore you. We worship you. God, I just pray that this morning, Father, that you would speak. God, that I, not my words, but yours. Lord, and I pray that uh, our hearts would be ready for the coming of the King. Lord, that we walk in preparedness. Always. I just ask that you would take this morning, God, and you be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to talk about the coming of the king this morning. And um, I want to give a little background. Am I loud enough? Is it? Okay. Um, back in the 700s, 740 to 700 B.C., this is taken from That the World May Know by Ray Vanderlaan. Okay, this is not mine, but after the research, I come across some really good stuff, and it was his. So that's what I'm going to share a little bit of. During the 700s BC, the Assyrian Empire made many conquests in the land of Israel because God's people had ignored his commands and began turning to pagan gods. They had become weak both morally and physically. As judgment for their waywardness, God allowed the powerful Assyrians to destroy and conquer the northern ten tribes as well as many cities in the southern tribes of Judah. Uh, I'm going to pronounce the names here, so just bear with me. In 740 B.C., Assyrian king Tiglath, I'm not going to try the last name, (laughs) began plundering the northern ten tribes, the nation of Israel, it's taken out of 2 Kings 15.29. Don't, we don't have that to put up. That's fine. He destroyed many cities, brutally killing their inhabitants, and left Israel with only the capital of Samaria intact. This is the background of Isaiah 6-9. through 9. We're going to be reading out of Isaiah 9. Uh, sorry, seven, excuse me, Isaiah 7.14 first. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Just think for a minute. Think about how dark things were back then and the battles that were going on. Uh, God's people had set a pattern of disobeying God and doing what they wanted to do, and it cost them. We can learn from history if we're willing. Okay, so we're going to read from Isaiah 9, 6 through 7. 9, 6 through 7. Chapter 9, 6 through 7.
For unto us a child is born. And I'm going to read from Luke 2, 12 to add to this. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. To us, a son is given. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And the government shall be on his shoulders. Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. Think about that. And the increase of his government, his rule, his reign, his kingdom, and of peace, there will be no end. This is what God gave his people in the middle of the rebellion, in the middle of them being taken over. Prophecies given that they're going to go into captivity, that they're losing everything. And I know that some of us, a lot of us, feel like we are losing everything. But God's promise is his promise. No matter what is happening around us, no matter what we're going through, His promise stands. Jesus is our ruling king. His kingdom is at hand. He is always present with his people, always. And he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So as hard as it may seem, we have to have faith and trust in his promises for us. And it won't always look the way we want it to. In case anybody didn't know that. (laughs) But anyway, so looking at us today, what are we doing with this reality of this prophecy? Being fulfilled 600, 700 years prior to the birth of Christ. So we know it's been fulfilled. And it continues to grow. As I said, there's no end to his kingdom. It continues to grow. His peace continues to grow. There is no end to it. Are we living our lives in obedience? Are we spending time in his word? Are we loving one another? Are we quick to repent when sin is pointed out in our lives? 
Are we cultivating a real loving relationship with the bridegroom? I'm not talking about the larger gathering, but independently on your own. Are you cultivating this relationship? Just a second. Need a drink. You see, there's a lot of places where in the scripture that it's very clear that we are to have an intimate relationship with God. I know some of you in here, and you are in the Word a lot. You study the Word. You eat the Word. But I have asked at times people, how often do you spend throughout the week in the Word of God? And I've actually heard things like, well, sometimes, you know, um, once a week. We are here as the bride of Christ, and we are to be preparing for his coming. All right, guys, do you remember, those of you that are married, um, okay, you were really excited and pumped up about things, and because your bride prepared herself, when she came down the aisle, a lot of emotion, a lot of excitement. This is, like, really awesome. But can you imagine if she would have come down the aisle in sweats? Now, some people, they don't care. But if she would have <laughs> come down the aisle in sweats, kind of there, kind of not there, but, yeah, you know, I'm here. I'm here. But do you understand? Losing, does she really care what you feel and think? If we are not spending that time trying to get close to him, do we really care what he thinks? I'm going to read from Revelation 19, chapter 19, verse 6 through 7. Then I heard, oh, by the way, there's a point in here where I'm probably going to get kind of loud. So just prepare yourself. I mean, you can't read this part and go, la, la, you know, it just wouldn't be right. So, then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of mighty, mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Hallelujah, he is reigning today, yesterday, for eternity, guaranteed. It's his kingdom. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Now, Grace talked about repetitiveness. There is repetitiveness in this message. Are you making yourself ready? You are the bride. If you are his, you are his bride. And to treat the groom, the anticipation that we're supposed to have getting ready to meet him, 
should be our driving force in this life. Nothing else should take that away. Hardships, things not going our way, whatever the case might be, nothing should take away that drive in our hearts, that passion to be ready for him when he comes. Think about how much time and effort can be put into all of the preparation for Christmas, the shopping, parties, decorating, baking, even ministry. These things can become the very focus point of what we're doing. They're not bad in and of themselves, but when they become our focus, we've just put something before him. It's not hard to do. And when we do that, we need to be quick to come back with repentance and turn our focus back where it needs to be. What kind of time are we putting into being prepared? His bride making herself ready. Think about just for a minute, really. What kind of time are we putting in as his bride to make ourselves ready? This is repetitive, yes. Hopefully by the time I get done, it'll be so ingrained in you that you won't be able to think of anything else. For the most important time, the most important day, the coming of the King of Kings to gather his bride to himself. Or that unsuspected time of passing from this life that Hebrews 9, 27 talks about, that we're all, unless we live until the coming of him, we're all going to experience. Are you ready to meet him face to face? Do you live your life that way? I pray to God. I mean, all of us are challenged with this. This is, I mean, every one of us struggles to keep that focus and to walk in this. Everybody. So there's no condemnation in the battle, at the struggle. The condemnation comes when you take it with a grain of salt. But God's grace covers me, so it doesn't matter. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. We all will be called to an account. In Romans chapter 14, verse 11 through 12. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God this sink in. Each one of us will give an account. I want to have a good account. And my prayer is that you guys do too. This is why it's so important 
that we are holding ourselves accountable to be getting ready for the coming of the king. Were the people, were the people of God ready the first time when he came in a manger? Were God's people ready for the coming? The ones who spent years and years and years looking at the scripture. I always wonder, I mean, we have been, things have been opened up for us, but these were scholars that were in the scripture. Were they ready for his coming? They didn't even see it. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. It just it boggles my mind, but obviously, you can be in the word, and you can still be lacking in understanding and being ready for his coming. People say, well, the sky's going to you know, roll back, it's going to be thunder and all this. Yeah, but is it going to be what we think? I'm not challenging the word, I'm challenging our thoughts. Not to take it lightly. I never challenge the word of God. No, not, not to the best of my ability. So, are we preparing as fervently for that day as we are for Christmas or college or for the sale of a house to buy the next one or whatever else is calling at us? And again, I'm not saying these things are bad in, a, in and of themselves. But what I am saying, what really, what really has your attention in this life? One of those things that you dream about that you think of more often than anything else, that just draw you. What are they? What really has your attention? Is it the relationship with our Lord? Again, I said earlier, ministry. You could be so caught up in ministry that you miss him. That you're too busy for him. He's not going to say yes. That's, that's great. You're, you're doing good stuff. That, don't worry about it. No. We are to be preparing our hearts for the coming of the King of Kings. It's really that simple. But the work is another deal. Uh, trying to apply it on a daily basis. We get busy. We get running on things, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, man. But there is grace if our heart is in the right place here and we go back to what we need to be busy about. 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. Get dry.
So what's got your attention? Is it the things of God? Or does the world have more of your attention than he does? Okay, I've been part of the prayer Sunday team for, for a while. I stepped down because I got busy doing a lot of other things that are needed. But um, I do remember we started off with hungering and thirsting after God. Satisfaction and intimacy in him above all else. And repentance, knowing he is a jealous God and without these things, as an active part of our life, will we be known by him? If we are not running after him, seeking him intimately, Is he going to know us? It's a serious thought, people. The scripture bears out that you can be doing a lot of things that appear to be godly. And he says, I don't even know you. It's an intimate relationship. A bride and her groom. It's often put that way and it's so easy to get lost in this stuff. But the truth of it is, is if you are not applying that kind of thinking to it, are you being intimate? Will he know you? Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 23. Now, I, I did do some looking into this because I kind of wanted to try to get a better thought of what this was really saying. Um, of course, you get a lot of commentaries. You get different points of view and different ideas of what it could be. So I'm just going to take it for face value. And I would highly recommend that each one of you do too. Because when the scholars debate some of it, then I, I'm just going to take it for face value, Okay. Not everyone who, who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. What was the priority of their lives? They stood before him and told him about all the good things they did. And obviously there was power there. You don't cast out demons if there's no power there. To have the ability to prophesy. But yet, he said, I don't know who you are. Depart from me, you lawless workers. Do you believe in Christ? Born to a virgin? 
died on the cross. I go back up, born to a virgin. Do you realize how many people that claim to be God's people don't believe in a virgin birth? I don't have the statistics, but there's, there's quite a few. They say, oh, no, that, that didn't really happen. That he died on the cross, receiving unto himself the full cup of wrath from the Father that was intended for us. Becoming the sacrificial lamb of God. This is what our bridegroom done. For us. Are we preparing for his coming? I ask again. There's a quote from an unknown preacher. Many people have chosen heaven over hell, but not many have chosen heaven over earth. Do you get that? Do you understand that? Many people have chosen heaven over hell, but not many have chosen heaven over earth. What tugs at your heart? And being honest with yourself, what do you really live for? In John, 1 John, chapter 2, verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. The word love is agapeo. No, I don't study the Greek, but I do know how to look things up. And what it said was to love, value, esteem, feel or manifest generous concern for. Do we manifest generous concern for our bride as far as how we respond to him? Be faithful towards, to delight in, to, store, to set store upon. Do, does this describe how you feel toward the King of kings and Lord of lords? This is the highest level of love one can offer. To the one who deserves the highest praise, the highest everything that we can give. And it's not going to happen just by sitting here every week. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But there is so much more to it. Even if the government stepped in and all this was gone. Could you walk the walk with him? Would you be committed to him? Or would you be lost? 
He alone is our salvation and hope and worthy of all our love. Do not be fooled into thinking that just doing your religious duties will accomplish God's will. It is through our relationship with him, seeking first the kingdom of God. Is that our priority list? Seek first the kingdom of God, and after that, seek first the kingdom of God again? Let me repeat. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Only times of being helped to move in the right direction. Which can come through somebody sitting up here preaching, teaching, or from a brother and sister that you spend time with. We need to encourage each other. We need to be the body of Christ together. All of us are different We're not all going to like things about the other person. But we're called to love in spite of. To be faithful to each other as well as him. Okay, we're just about done, people. So, yeah. Hosea 10, 12. I'll try not to string this out any longer but I have things that he needs to say. Sow righteousness for yourselves. Reap the fruit of unfailing love and break up your unplowed ground. For it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers his righteousness on you. Breaking up the fallow ground Remember last week, uh, Chris was talking about showing the pictures from when they were in Israel, digging up rocks, dealing with all the thorns, dealing with a sin in our life. It's time to break up the fallow ground. Matthew chapter 22 Verse 36 uh, through 39. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Grace, would you come up? Now, I don't know if I have anybody that has volunteered for praying. Have I? Would you come up too, please? I want everybody to stand. I want to ask a couple questions to end this up. Listen carefully. 
to see if any of this pricks your heart, tugs at you. It's not a time to block it out, say, I've heard enough. As a matter of fact, now's the time to actually listen. Where are you? Where are you at in this preparation time? Where are you at in this preparation time? What has got a hold of your heart? Do you truly know him? Does he know you? Are you loving God and desiring him above all else? Or are you caught up in other things that don't matter as much as he does? Just take some time. I'm just going to ask those questions again. Where are you at in the preparation time? What has got a hold of your heart? Do you truly know him? And does he know you? Are you loving God and desiring him above all else? If you are weak in any of these areas, and especially if you do not know him, if you're here today, and you have not come to the Lord. It's not a choice you made. Don't tell yourself, I can walk out this door. I'll take care of it. No, you won't. Right now is the time. For any of these, if you need prayer, we have a couple right here that will pray for you. Prayerfully, there will be some people that do, you know, realize that they, they need this. But most of all, if you don't know him or if you're not walking rightly with him, don't leave in that state. Anybody here that has a sense that they need prayer, would you raise your hand, please? Okay, people you see, either they can come down front or you can gather around them right where they're at and pray for them. But again, don't let this time go by. Pentecostal churches, they call this altar call. But it's time. It's time.